Welcome back to another episode of Wednesday Wisdom on the Educational AD Podcast. We'll be right back with today's guest, but uh, let's hear from our podcast sponsors. And before we do that, we want to recognize our two new partners. First of all, We Coach. Uh, we Coach is a great organization, mostly been focused on college coaching and administration, but they're reaching out to high schools as well. Go to wecoachsports.org and find out about all the resources, all the programs that are available to you as an AD and your coaching staff. Uh, help us move the numbers for women's coaching. That's wecoachsports.org. We also want to acknowledge our uh, new partnership with the Global Community of Women in High School Sports. Uh, go to Global Community of Women in Sports.org. And once again, uh, find out about all the resources available for your coaches right now. Uh, that's We Coach, We Coach Sports.org, and the Global Community of Women in High School Sports. Their website is Global Community of Women in Sports.org. Two great organizations that we are proud to partner with. Now, let's hear from our sponsors. We want to say thanks to SnapRaise. Go to snapraise.com and see how their fundraising platform can help you raise thousands and thousands of dollars. Get away from the fundraising headaches of the past. Uh, there's no selling. There's no managing of lists. Uh, our coaches use SnapRaise, and it was just fantastic. As an athletic director, I knew what was going on, but I didn't have to be involved. SnapRaise.com is the best fundraiser for you and your group. And you can put the SnapRaise digital fundraising difference to work for you. As I mentioned, it's safe and secure. It's easy to use and it's effective. It works. Go to SnapRaise.com and check out the thousands and thousands of dollars that they have helped programs just like yours raise using SnapRaise. Change your fundraising game plan and start a fundraiser that works for you. Go to SnapRaise.com and get started. We also want to say thanks to Final Forms, the industry leader in forms and registration. Final Forms is much more than that. Final Forms can help your stakeholders with things like mobile accessibility, and they have reminders for parents about policies, about physicals, and all the forms that go with athletics. Final Forms can also help your coaches with things like uh, attendance and communication and can even help with their certification management. And for athletic directors, Final forms can help with rosters. It can help with eligibility and all the forms that come across your desk. You know, it's time for you to take the next steps and walk with a team uh, that's been in your shoes. Go to finalforms.com forward slash Jake to get started. That's finalforms.com forward slash Jake to get started with final forms. We also want to thank Hometown Ticketing for their support. Go to hometownticketing.com. They'll show you how to sell your tickets online. They'll show you how to scan the people that come to your games. They'll also show you how to collect your revenue, which is important. And every step of the way, you're going to have a dedicated client success manager that's providing hands-on support just for you. Go to hometownticketing.com. They'll show you how to sell tickets to other types of events like school dances or performing arts uh, productions like theater and music, even graduation. Go to hometownticketing.com and start selling your tickets digitally. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. 
We also want to say thanks to Gipper. Go to Gipper.com and see how athletic directors are creating world-class marketing content for their school's social media channels. You can do it in seconds on any device, and you don't need any design experience. It's so easy. Even I can do it. Go to Gipper.com. Mention you heard it on the podcast and use the code ADPOD10. That's ADPOD10 and get 10% off. That's Gipper.com. Start creating custom branded content for your school's social media channels. Gipper.com. We also want to say thanks to Huddle. Huddle is how the world sees sports. Over 200,000 teams across 40 sports use Huddle to help their teams play better using video and analytics. Huddle is the complete performance platform. As an athletic director, our school was a Huddle school. As a football coach, I used Huddle for years, but our coaches just loved Huddle and the mobile apps, the easy programmability of the smart cameras. Of course, they love the analytics, but there's so much more than that. Huddle's a complete solution for professional-grade analysis. Club and youth teams, high school and college teams, and professional teams use Huddle to help their teams play better. At Huddle, we believe in sports, and teams believe in Huddle. With over 6 million users, go to Huddle.com, find out how they can not only help your program, but let your school become a Huddle school. Go to Huddle.com. To learn more, we also want to say thanks to Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Athletic Surveys are a quick, easy, and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic program. Go to athleticsurveys.com or email them at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. Okay? Athletic Surveys are a great way to connect with your parents and your student athletes. Take the pulse of your school's population and go to athleticsurveys.com. We also want to say thanks to Sideline Interactive. Sideline Interactive's indoor scoring tables and video boards not only generate income for your department, but they also create the ultimate game day experience for your athletes. Go to sidelineinteractive.com and schedule a live web demo and see their tables and boards in action. You can also email them at sales at sidelineinteractive.com and see exactly what their fantastic products can do for you. That's sales at sidelineinteractive.com. And we want to say thanks to Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. If you're looking for a really cool way to display your school's school record boards, for every team, for every event, along with a great way for to display your school's Hall of Fame, go to vitalsignswalloffame.com, or you can email them at sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. They've got a variety of interactive touchscreen video consoles and an entire library of templates to help recognize the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present. Let them help you showcase your school's diverse history and your proudest moments, and go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. That's vitalsignswalloffame.com. 
Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Wednesday Wisdom on the Educational AD Podcast. Uh, this week, we've got Dr. Megan Bunning. She's back for her third go-round on Wednesday Wisdom. If you're new to the podcast, uh, Dr. Bunning uh, has worn a lot of hats in our world. Uh, she was a you know world-class athlete. Uh, she was a Division I coach. Uh, and the past several years, she's turned to academia and research, but more importantly, applied research, things that ADs and coaches can actually use. She's also a member of the FSU coach uh, faculty at Florida State University, you know, their great program that's uh, turning out uh, master coaches. So, uh, Dr. Bunny, uh, welcome back. And what do you got for us this week on Wednesday Wisdom? Well, thank you. I'm so glad that you've asked me back. Um, so this week, I wanted to talk about uh, applying something that I picked up from a different field. I love, love, love when I can learn across fields. And I want to, I know you do a lot on communication, but this one has to do with communication. And there's a reason for this. So if I were to title my own session, my own talk here, it would be applying medical frameworks of communication in tough situations. So when you think medical communication, you may not think, well, wait a minute, my doctor really isn't a good communicator, or you may have had some experiences where your doctor is just doesn't communicate well with you, or you don't think so. And that's actually been an issue in that field. And so it, within the last five to 10 years, there's been a targeted uh, effort in med school to train medical professionals on communication and, and nursing, uh, professionals too. So you're going to see a lot of that come through. And uh, it just so happens that uh, my topic came out of a personal experience that happened just recently. So recently I was in the hospital. I had a procedure and it involved my heart. It was nothing major, but it was a heart procedure. So you can imagine uh, with my age and it being your heart, I'm anxious, right? And it got me thinking about how much training the medical professionals receive in specific models of communication for situations that really aren't ideal. And I wonder how much of what they use can translate to what I do working not only with coaches, but athletes in the mental game. And so I thought I'd present some ideas to administrators as well. But before we get started, I need to take you down a memory lane walk, if you will. So humor me. I want you to think of a medical visit that you just dread. So Jake, do you have one? <laughs> that I just dread. Well, uh, at my age, um, in the years that I spent out in the sun as a football coach, uh, I've had the, the, the pleasure of experiencing uh, a number of Moe's, uh, you know, procedures. Uh, obviously, you don't look forward to those. I don't know if it's dread, but uh, let's use that as an example. That's a great example. For me, it's the dentist. I've had awful experience. There's been prior bad experiences. Uh, I feel like when I've gone into prior dentists, and I've moved a lot, and I get picky with my dentist because I feel like they're not listening to me. I've had situations where I felt drilling on my mouth. Uh, I've been sick from too much numbing. So just all around a bad experience and I don't trust them. So when you think about these medical professionals, think about do you have to revisit those professors, go back to them for another visit? Okay. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, you normally do. So this is a situation where I can't just avoid you. So I'm going to have to engage with you, and especially for something like the dentist. Now think about how you now would select a new professional that does the same thing. So some something you dread, I dread the dentist. So what's going to keep me going back to that professional? What makes me loyal to a dentist? Well, for me, they need to understand what it is as a patient that I need. One, they need to understand that I'm probably going to have more anxiety sitting in their chair than most, than a lot. I need to know the basics of what they're doing. Don't give me the gory details, just give me the basics. I need to know why they're doing that. Be quick to the point, but tell me why you're doing it. What procedures are you going to do? Again, basic. How long do they think it will take? This is important because it gives me time to mentally prep. If they say it'll take about 10 minutes, I know I can do this for 10 minutes. How painful will I be or how, how will I experience pain during that procedure? When they listen to me about how previous anesthesia has worked or not, and they ask me follow-up questions, I feel like I'm being heard because it lets me help them guide them. And the last question I ask is, how will I know if what I'm feeling is not normal? <laughs> like, when do I need to panic here? <laughs> All right, so I've just outlined my process for how I survive a dental treatment. And I'm talking like teeth cleaning sometimes. Sure. And <laughs> I want to tell you about my most recent experience with this heart procedure. All right, so this happened just last week. The nurse came in to insert the IV. And before I could even ask any questions, she covered almost every one of my concerns above. And do you know what immediately happened? Your anxiety level went down. It immediately dropped. My nervousness and anxiety dropped noticeably. So this got me thinking, <laughs> what just happened here? And how can we use this? So I'm gonna to talk to you quickly about a couple of medical frameworks because you know I asked her what she did <laughs> that you might find useful. As you think about communicating and interacting with folks that you lead or have to uh, be in a mentor type role, especially when anxiety and nervousness might be high or when there might be an emotional, expected emotional reaction or response to something. So the first model that I wanna show you is AIDIT. So it's A-I-D-E-T. This is what my nurse used, and I can attest that it worked like a charm to decrease anxiety. And then, so that's a good thing that that's what the AIDIT model was actually developed for, was specifically to target anxiety. All right, so what is it? It's a framework that's used primarily in the medical field to aid in communication between the medical professional, patients, and families of patients. It's also used in human resources and service industries. So it's, you know, it's more than just the medical field. And, and I'm going to talk a lot of medical here, but we're going to make connections here in a second. So hang with me. Research on the use of this AIDIT framework within the medical field has shown that it helps to improve patient customer perceptions of the care they receive. It decreases staff and patient anxiety, which increases compliance to treatment meaning they're going to get better clinical outcomes. People are going to do what they need to do to get better. It builds patient customer loyalty, and it makes sure the staff consistently delivers messages of empathy, concern, and appreciation. All right, so think about that. 
it was developed in the mid-90s by the Stutter Group, S-T-U-D-E-R, and it was originally called the Five Fundamentals of Patient Communication and later was registered as AIDID, just for those of you that want to look it up. All right, so AIDID is an acronym that's going to help guide communication through uh, a conversation in these situations. And it stands for five communication behaviors, which I'm going to go through uh, first all at once, and then I'll tell you what each mean. So aid it, you start with A, you acknowledge. Then you introduce, that's the I. D stands for duration. E, ex explanation. And then T is thank you. So let's talk about what those mean. Now, before we get into this, be take notice this is not a script, but it's a guide. And it's not appropriate for all communication interactions, but rather those situations where you need to manage expectations, make sure the important parts of your message are being heard and received. So it's supposed to be flexible and adaptable. With that in mind, let's think through how this could work from an administrator to a coach, or maybe even a coach to an athlete. Uh, let me preface this with when you use AIDIT, you should know your role in the interaction first. So sometimes people can come to you and they and you don't know if they just need you to listen or if they're actually asking your help. So figure what that is first. Um, do you need me to listen or are you asking me for assistance? And this situation is where you know your role is guidance or you need to help even if they haven't specifically asked for it yet. All right, so let's just take a situation and uh, Jake, you can help me with this if I need to uh, beef this up. A coach has come to you with an issue about a parent, staff, or an athlete. They're nervous or they have anxiety about dealing with this issue. So have you ever been in that situation? <laughs> uh, that sound you hear is our listeners, uh, athletic directors chuckling. Uh, how about on a daily basis? Okay. Exactly. Um and I'm probably stepping on toes here, but the, the listen or help um, question is, is just so critical because many times a lot of, even with, with parents, maybe if parents come in, they're just venting and there really is no solution that you can offer. So, you know, that listening, recognizing that, you know, shut up and listen. Uh, that's the important thing. But uh, to answer your question, yes, we have all experienced that. Right. And notice the laugh because I feel like any human experiences something like that <laughs> regularly. Um, and just a quick note about, you know, kind of the listener versus a helper. I have to, like you were mentioning in my introduction, I have to wear a lot of hats. So I'm a, I'm a professor, I'm a, a mental performance consultant, I'm a mother. Um, sometimes I'm a researcher. Sometimes I need to put my coach role on. And so sometimes it can get confusing as to which hat I need to be wearing. And so articulating that to the person is very helpful. Um, you, I have a hat. You can, If you see the video, you'll see it hanging up behind me on this dresser back here. And it says FSU coach on it. And when I'm teaching with my students, when I need to switch from professor to coach, I will literally put that hat on because it helps me distinguish, all right, now I'm coach, now I'm not. And when I'm talking with other people, uh, I will ask them, okay, I, wanna, I want to hear you, but I need to know what you need me to be right now. 
and I will straight up ask them, and what do you need from me? And I'll get that first because then it helps me put my listening ears on as I need. So with that being said, this is a situation where your role has been established as they need your help. So aid it, acknowledge. This is the first step in this process. So the acknowledge part for medical professionals is when they walk into a room, look them, look the patient in the eye, greet them, right? When you're talking with somebody that you know, or if they're if they have company with them, all this is 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 basically the same thing. Acknowledge their presence by looking them in the eye and greet them with a name or a smile. Now, I, you have some cultural differences that you need to take into consideration depending on who you're speaking to. But the point is, acknowledge your person that you are about to engage with and anyone that's with them. So the I, so that's easy, the I is introduce. So when you're talking about a medical professional, this is where they're introducing themselves as their uh, expertise. What do they do well? So for instance, the nurse that was putting my IV in introduced herself. She said that she was uh, actually leaving that position to become the director of, um, and the, the word just went out of me, but uh, the director of a department that specializes in veins. <laughs> so I felt like I was in really good hands uh, with her putting that needle in my arm. So for a coach or an administrator, this is about you may not need to reintroduce yourself to, to that person, but you most likely have an idea about what the situation or concern is. If not, find that out first, then introduce your experience to the situation. And so, or a skill set that you might have. So do you have a specific skill set you can bring up that can help calm that coach's nerves? Let them know that this is something that you know about or that you have experience with. And it, it can help, even though you may not think it will, it can help them understand that you've got, you've, you've got some experience with this. So let me try, right? Now that you're listening to the issue, hearing the coach's dilemma, et cetera, why they're anxious or nervous in more detail, after you've kind of gotten through that part of the conversation, now is D, duration. So in our setting, I see duration as how long you anticipate the solution or the intervention or whatever it is that you're advising this coach to do to take. In medical, it's how long is the procedure gonna take or how long will recovery be? For us, how long will this thing that you've introduced to them take or how long should they wait to follow up with you to give it time to work? So for example, if you're recommending training, suspension, remediation, how long do you anticipate that to go? Um, think about duration in terms of if this coach has to meet with a person uh, of issue, how long should that meeting last? Help them set a limit so it doesn't drag on extending the confrontation and the unwanted um, engagement there. Duration can also include you touching base with the coach if the time between the meeting and the discussion will be long, just to let them know that you're still there and this is still on your mind, you're still there for them. Explanation, so that's the E in aid it. Explain to the coach how your suggestions or plans can help or how it will work. So for instance, and when I say how it will work, meaning if there's some kind of 
steps to follow or you know it's not a clear path to how something's going to turn out as best you can how's this going to work let them know let let that person contribute their thoughts answer any questions they have give them a specific way to contact you if they're if you're needed during that time so this may mean that you need to reinforce hey coach you have my cell phone if at any time you need me to talk about this this is where you can reach me all right so it's explanation you're available and this is something the last the t the thank you this is something i don't know that we do too much of thank the coach thank the person that came to you for trusting you for advice help or guidance i mean that was a big step they may have to report to you because you're a supervisor or superior or whatever but at the same time, they're putting themselves in a vulnerable position. So thank them. You see the effort that they're putting there. Recognize uh, them for knowing that this is a situation they needed assistance because they could have gone in different directions. And thank them for the time they're putting into the situation, the team, etc. So that's the AIDIT model. What's interesting is I couldn't find literature where AIDIT was researched in the sport or psychology or even the counseling fields. It's all been primarily in the fields I mentioned, medical services, uh, human resources. However, I personally work with uh, coaches and athletes that are in high anxiety states when I work on the mental skills development, and I will be trying this AIDIT model to see how it can uh, help my athletes particularly when I think about situations. So that's the first one. What do you think about that one? Well, uh, I, I would love to say that um, that's it, common sense and it should be something that, uh, you know, people in our position are doing. Uh, but uh, I love the, the device to actually, you know, present it as what we'd like to do with the podcast, you know, share best practices, um, you know, that younger AD, or that younger head coach that has to kind of manage their problem, uh, their program, uh, they might not have developed, you know, these skills. And certainly a veteran AD uh, might need some help in this area too. So it's a great device, a great tool, a great review for all of us about, um, you know, the importance of, you know, as you uh, described, figuring out, okay, am I listening or am I helping? And, and how do I do that? And the thank you, of course, uh, I remember many times talking, um, with parents, maybe listening to parents uh, toward the end of my career, uh, after they would come in and invent, as I said, um, you know, I would always say, hey, really appreciate you coming in and sharing your heart because it, if they hadn't done that, it just would have built up. They would have gotten angrier and angrier and maybe they already had, but they definitely would have gone to a principal or a superintendent or somebody. And then I'm, you know, dealing with it, you know, out of order. So absolutely. Uh, you know, let them see that you're there to help them. Great stuff. Yeah. And again, just to re reiterate that that model, even though it's built for the medical field, was built specifically or put together specifically to help reduce anxiety and nervousness. And so that's tension, right? And so, as you said, it takes a little bit of training because you've got to get, get comfortable with the, you know, the process of what the um, letters stand for. So that acronym, but it does seem like it's common sense. But let me tell you something, a, half the research that I read, you'd think that's common sense, but <laughs> we've got to have something behind it to provide evidence that it actually is 
beneficial or not, right? Well, that That's what people say. The problem with common sense it, is that it's no longer common. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I have another model, and this one's just a really quick one. As I was researching AIDIT, I came across another model. This is the four habits model. This one is particularly useful when there is an when emotion is going to be a factor. So there's going to be some sort of an emotional expected emotional reacting uh, reactant reaction. Excuse me. Um, you'll see this this used this is taught quite often in the nursing fields because you your nurses are more kind of there on a regular basis, right? So the four habits model focuses on the expression of empathy. And there is a ton of research out there on the use of empathy and how that really helps with communication across all different settings. So this may be best, again, like I said, if there's heavy emotions, uh, if emotions need to be expressed and exchanged. Uh, I think about situations not only where there might be an emotional reaction due to something that's happened, but when you might need to have that tough conversation with somebody. So the four habits uh, model, what it does is it walks through building four habits during communication. There's a little bit more involved, like you would need training and some in helping skills for this interaction, uh, but basic training, I believe. So at its bare bones, the first part of this model is you invest in the beginning. So we always do that. We wanna build rapport and we wanna do it quickly. Find the person's concerns, let the person know what to expect during your interaction as best you can, okay? And so when you're doing that, especially if someone's coming at you in a highly emotional state and you're trying to lay out expectations for this interaction, it, it, I, I, I've been in these situations too, it kind of halts that emotion just a little bit. So maybe you're not getting the full brunt right up front because you're letting them know this is this is how this is going to go, basically, with when we interact. You're going to elicit the patient's perspective. So this is that medical model. So elicit the person that you're talking to. Get their ideas. Find out how they think you can help them. Explore this how the situation has affected their life so far. That can be work life, life in general just kind of get to know what's going on with this situation. It's more than just what they're coming to you for. Then demonstrate empathy. So this means that you as the receiver needs to be open to their emotions. Now I'm gonna bring in some uh, research in that field of emotions and expression. Back in the old day, Jake, tell me if this is familiar to you. When we had an emotion, we had a coach or a parent that might have said, uh, you're not crying on this field. You, you need to stop doing that or, you know, you need to shut your mouth. <laughs> and so we were suppressed. And so the old way of thinking was we're not showing that emotion out here. Tighten it up. Right. You can do that later. But here's the problem with that is when we try to suppress an emotion or even a thought, we are trying to tell our brain not to do something that it's already doing. It's already experienced that emotion. It's already had that thought. And so when we try to tell it not to do that, all we're doing is we're feeding it. So if it's a negative emotion or thought and we're trying to tell that person, don't cry here, that 
that person's brain doesn't comprehend that. And so all it does is it feeds the emotion and it makes it worse until it gets to the point where it's like you've shaken up a Coke bottle and you're about to take the top off, right? What we know is that if we can express these emotions just for a hot second even, let them feel the emotion, let yourself have that thought, then your brain isn't, it's not feeding that emotion. It's allowing yourself time, about 90 seconds for those strong emotions, it's allowing time to move through that. So you as the listener need to be open to that person's emotions. Let them get it out so that it's not bottling up. Reflect, this is where those helping skills are gonna come in. Reflect feeling and emotion and compliment them on being willing to address the situation while you're having this conversation. So reflect feeling and emotion. This is, I hear that you're very upset about this. I hear that you are hurt. Let them know what you're hearing them say. Uh, obviously use your nonverbal communications, uh, be mindful of your own reactions. Sometimes your personal reactions to what they're saying can mirror what they're experiencing. So that can be an indicator of what they're feeling. Lastly, invest in the end. Give them an idea, if they're asking for help here, give them an idea of an assessment of the situation from you. Provide education where you can. It may be a situation where you can um, educate them on the rules, educate them on something about that situation. Involve that person in coming up with a decision, a plan moving forward, and then wrap it up. Summarize what you went over, review it, and move on to the next steps. So again, that model pulls in more of the helping skills and requires some basic training, uh, but I think that that could be useful for some of the situations that administrators and coaches are uh, finding themselves in. Oh, absolutely. Uh, again, we talk about the toolbox. Uh, it's just one more item in there that uh, a, a smart athletic director, a smart leader is, is going to utilize all the tools they can. Very cool stuff. Okay? Yeah. You know, if, oh, go I'm ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have one more model, but I didn't know if you wanted to say something. Oh, uh, no, I was going, uh, I was going to ask, uh, in your experience as a coach and for our listeners, you know, uh, Megan, very successful, uh, you know, division one softball coach, um, in your experience as a coach, um, anything, you know, either the, one of these models specifically or anything like them, uh, did you experience, um, them being productive, you know, working with, you know, high level athletes like you did? Yes. Yeah, so the AIDIT model, I wasn't aware of. Right. Uh, and I, but as soon as I started researching it and experienced myself and realized what it was, I can absolutely see how that would apply to some of the individuals that I work with. Like I mentioned with my mental skills training, the four habits model, I have a lot of background in the counseling field in terms of courses that I've had to take and training that I've received. And so that really hits home with me. And when I think back about my interactions with athletes, I think that I, I was doing some of these. I wish that I had a little bit more structure for how I was doing these and had the helping skills training while I was coaching versus after. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's very common. You know, you, you know, you can see a bit or a piece of something that you used. I know I did. 
Uh, but you're thinking, wow, you know, I wish I would have had the full model there to lean on. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I wanted to share one last interesting uh, article and research that I came up and I hesitated to put this one in here, but I found it so interesting. So here it goes. Another interesting concept to think about is if Disney ran your team. And I know that, you know, you, you've probably seen some other stuff out there about what if Disney did this, if Disney did that. Some of you may not even like for me to say the term <laughs> Disney. So let's reflect back to the, good, the Disney when you had a really good experience. Let's go there. And if you think about people's experiences at Disney, the children mostly, they're happy. They're excited to be there. They wait in long lines, I mean, tremendously long lines for just a few seconds of excitement and overall enjoyment, right? So what's interesting is that Disney doesn't, me doesn't measure satisfaction. So they don't measure if they call people that go to Disney guests, they don't measure guest satisfaction with their experience. Do you know what it is that they measure? Oh my gosh. I thought I knew where this was going and you threw me a curve. Uh, <laughs> what do they measure? They measure loyalty. So think about that. Disney knows guests will return based on loyalty, not satisfaction. So they focus on how likely a guest will recommend their services versus how satisfied they are. And so think about just for, and I'm going to go, keep going, but think about how that might sit with you as you think about your staff or your athletes. I mean, we talk about loyalty, even in the AIDIT model, loyalty you know, kind of came up. All right, so I'm going to shift back to patient care really quick because this article actually was about Disney running a radiology department. And so when you think about patient care, the staff, the medical staff, and my husband's a physical therapist and he works in um, a rehab facility in a hospital, so he experiences this all the time. The staff are assessed very similar to, similarly to teachers and coaches where the administration rely heavily on patient satisfaction results. So patients are given a one to five satisfaction scale. One to two means that they're dissatisfied with their stay three is neutral and four to five is satisfied to very satisfied. So the highest rating you can get is five. And that's what in the medical field, the administrators want to see. So when you relate what this, what this particular article did is they took the patient satisfaction ratings and they correlated them to three levels of caring. So let's start with the levels of caring and I'll tell you what ratings uh, are correlated with them the most. The lowest level of caring is competence. So in the medical field, patients expect staff will have competence in that field, right? Uh, so when the patients experience that the staff were competent, they're only giving that, that staff member a one to three on the satisfied scale. So if you think about this in athletics, it's very similar. The base, the minimal level of care that you can give the people that you supervise is competence. Know what you're doing, right? So even if you just know what you're doing, you're only gonna get a rating if you were to you know, equate this to medical of dissatisfied or neutral in their experience. The next level of care is courtesy. 
So this is essentially just being polite in both attitude, communication, and behaviors. Um, so with this article, if a medical professional is just, if they're just polite, they're still going to receive a higher satisfaction rating. So what's interesting here, so you're looking at the, the fours here is what rating they'll get. So in some fields like sales, that's enough. That's the top rating is just being courteous and that's what they expect. But in the medical field, it isn't. So I would argue based off what we know about relationship building in the sport field, courtesy isn't enough in our field either. If we think about the relationships and the strength of relationships we need to be, build. So if you're satisfied with courtesy being your level of care to your folks that you're dealing with, then yeah, that might be enough for you. Your people may be satisfied with their experience. The highest rating goes when people experience compassion. So when in the medical field, when patients receive genuine sympathy and concern for their suffering or their situation, they feel extremely satisfied with the care that they received. So think about that. Are you expressing compassion and letting your folks experience that compassion? I want you to think about um, there's actually quite a bit of research out there on the benefits of showing compassion in coaching and in leadership. And it's probably a topic that you may have already covered on the podcast, but I wanted to, to bring that in. Lastly, kind of thinking still about this Disney model, let's think about how you're running your department or your team. Are you focused on efficiency first? So wins, success. So what, what we know based off of comparison with the medical field and this Disney model is if you are based off of efficiency, you're facilitating this type of environment. The focus shifts from department to team to an internal focus. So then people may start protecting their turf, even versus each other, because they see others as a threat. So these resources, anything like that may become a threat if somebody else is out there trying to get it, even within the same department. This leads to that competition for resources, which ultimately leads to inefficiency, amongst other things. But if you, this is the efficiency courtesy paradox here. So if you go to the other side of the model, and you are focused on courtesy and service first, so this Disney model, by emphasizing showing courtesy, which is that second level of care to others in the department, then this what this does is it shifts the focus to others. So there's an external focus. I'm, I'm focused on showing courtesy to others, to performing a service, which enables people to be responsive, share resources, and the ultimate result is efficiency. So um, I thought that was pretty neat in, in thinking about communication and just kind of how, uh, especially the ratings. Now, we don't know that within the athletic field, but um, I'm, I just still think just based off of experience that there's probably some translation there. No, I, I would agree. And I think any AD, any coach you talk to, they, they always say, well, it's about the kids. You know, it's about people. It's about the relationships. And so why not? you know, try to focus your efforts on, you know, the, uh, the, the courtesy model, because it, you just got done saying, if you do that, it ends up leading to efficiency and, you know, those uh, outcome-based things. So very cool stuff as always.
<laughs> well, thanks. I hope it can be of use to somebody. Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, we always enjoy you presenting. Um, again, for our listeners, you know, uh, Dr. Bunning is part of the FSU coach faculty at Florida State University. Uh, it's a great program. If uh, somebody's interested in picking your brain a little bit more about what you talked about today uh, or about finding out more about FSU coach, what's the best way they can get a hold of you? Sure. So you can email me at m.bunning at fsu.edu. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Dr. Bunning. Uh, or you can look us up on the fsucoach.edu. Uh, if you Google FSU Coach, you'll find it. I think it's fsu slash coach.edu at FSU uh, website and read all about us. Uh, just of note, when in our program, we do teach helping skills and we do teach uh, sports psychology and those types of areas. We're not teaching the X and O's. We're trying to help you all with some of the topics that you're even hearing through me here and others um, on this podcast. Well, again, listeners, I encourage you to reach out uh, and, and find out more about the FSU coach program and Dr. Bunny. Also, we've mentioned this before, but it's true. She has a very strong uh, Twitter game. So uh, check her out on Twitter and uh, check her out uh, as part of the Wednesday Wisdom team. So, Dr. Bunny, thanks as always for um, sharing with us. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Um, remember, the Zoom recordings of all of our interviews get uploaded to the Educational Lady Podcast YouTube channel. We appreciate you listening today. Come back next Wednesday for more Wednesday Wisdom just about every day on the Educational Lady Podcast. We'll see you next time. Once again, we want to give a quick shout out to all of our sponsors, uh, Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. If you're not surveying your parents or your student athletes, you're really missing out. Go to athleticsurveys.com or send them an email at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. Uh, hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. Go to hometownticketing.com and they will give you some hands-on help to help you uh, start selling your tickets digitally for athletic events as well as any event at your school. Uh, we also want to thank Final Forms, the industry leader in registration. Final Forms, they'll help your stakeholders, your parents, your coaches. They'll help you as an athletic director. Go to finalforms.com forward slash Jake to get started and see everything that Final Forms can do for you. Uh, we also want to say thanks to Snap Raise. Uh, our coaches use Snap Raise as a fundraising platform. And it was just fantastic. Um, it was easy for them to use. I knew what was going on, but I wasn't involved. And what's more important, it works. Go to snapraise.com. Start raising thousands and thousands of dollars, just like my coaches did with snapraise.com. We also want to thank Huddle. Uh, as a football coach, I used Huddle for years. As an athletic director, we were a Huddle school. And our coaches just love the uh, smart cameras. The, they love the analytics. Go to huddle.com. And you can become a huddle school, just like we were. We also want to say thanks to Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. Uh, their indoor scoring tables and video boards uh, are, are just fantastic. Their touchscreen uh, record boards are great for school records and for Hall of Fames. Uh, so go to vitalsignswalloffame.com uh, and get started. That's vitalsignswalloffame.com. We also want to thank Gipper. Uh, if you go to Gipper.com, you can see how athletic directors are creating custom branded content for their school's social media channels. Mention the podcast, you'll get 10% off. 
That's gipper.com. Start creating custom branded original content for your school social media channels. We want to say thanks to Sideline Interactive. Our school is one of the first in Florida to have a Sideline Interactive indoor scoring table, and it's just fantastic. Uh, we use it for home games, of course, but we also use it for pep rallies. We use it for signing ceremonies. It's tremendously versatile, and their customer support is just great. Go to sidelineinteractive.com or email them at info at side, excuse me, sales at sidelineinteractive.com for more information. And we want us to give a shout out to our two partners, We Coach and the Global Community of Women in High School Sports. Check out We Coach and the Global Community of Women in High School Sports. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Wednesday Wisdom, just about every day on the Educational AD Podcast.